0: Drill, baby, drill.
1: He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is
0: not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. America, stay out the bushes stay out the bushes jet is a mess
1: and welcome to a Wednesday October 26th episode edition of the elephants in the room
0: happy hump day
1: Hello. You don't. Good night, everyone. What? Yeah. So for so that's how John Fetterman opened his debate yesterday.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah, I'm just jumping right into the content.
0: I was like, what Sorry. are we talking about? And I was also like, good I'm night, looking everyone. up what number we're on. We're at episode forty-two this for episode season.
1: Episode forty-two. Good night, everyone.
0: He said that at the beginning.
1: Opening statement.
0: <laughs> Did he mean to say good? E- I mean, I guess it's not.
1: It's not far off.
0: <laughs> it's just normally people say goodnight when they're leaving. But Correct. I guess you could say goodnight at the beginning. It's kind
1: of weird. So we watched the last half of the debate. The the, the Fetterman-Oz debate. The, so, so this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the John Fetterman-Oz debate last night in pennsylvania the one and only fetterman oz debate and um and this was kind of like this this was the big item on uh on the political calendar i think really this this year um or certainly or certainly this cycle which um Uh, this, you know, Oz, Dr. Oz being such a prominent figure, John Fetterman had built up this you know, complete lie you know, he try, you know he's trying to make him, you know, himself the Paul Bunyan of Pennsylvania, when in the reality, he's just a couch-surfing layabout with a trust fund. And um, and so, and, and because of the dynamics of all of this, this became, you know, the race. The this race. became the race. This became the race. It, it seemed like Penn, Ohio, you know, had a lot of attention on it, but as soon as Oz was for sure the nominee on the Republican side, this has now become the the race. You've got a television star with 100% name recognition running on the Republican side and you have yeah. someone who was quite well known in Democrat circles and certainly if you followed politics John Fetterman's name you had come across before. This was someone who if you were a political junkie you had some familiarity with the John Fetterman story. Right? Big guy from Pennsylvania. Blue collar. Whatever. whatever. Lives in a garage. Stuff like that. He kind of knew it but he wasn't relevant enough where you had to kind of dig into the details of of who he was. And of course the stroke changed everything in this race. And the Democrats... Let's go back. The Democrats had a chance to nominate someone else.
0: Yes, they did.
1: They had a chance to nominate someone else. The stroke happened before the primary. And I think that that is a... It's an important piece of information to keep in mind when... as we start to look at how this is all going to turn out in the next 2 weeks because it's not as if Pennsylvania has a lack of a democrat bench there Dem- there you know it's a it's a purple state i'm sure you could pull it, they could pull a democrat out of somewhere you know call up ed rendell ed rendell who 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 you like Anyways, <clears throat> so the, the, the debate, so the Fetterman team had been putting out statements going, hey, this is, this is not his format, you know, this is not his strength. You know, obviously he's got some auditory issues. They had closed captioning for him and Oz available to both candidates. <coughs> they, um, News Nation, who put it on, made it as accommodating as possible for him. It was uncomfortable. It was awkward. It was uncomfortable. Right, you could tell... Well, frankly, you could tell that this is someone who had had a, a stroke and not a small one. Um, not that there's anything as a small stroke, but you could tell that this was a significant health event that had happened to him, and by the looks of it, someone who... Had, has probably recovered a lot to get up there to be on the stage to give some of the answers, some of the, I will give him credit, some of the answers he gave were coherent. Wow, this is a low bar. And that's the problem. <laughs> and, that, and that's the problem. Is that he did not pass the test of, are you fit and able to carry out the duties of a United States Senator? Because that's the test he had to pass last night. Fair or not, perception is reality. Okay, we all know the story about the first televised presidential debate, Richard Nixon, John F. Kennedy, Richard Nixon's got the five o'clock shadow, sweating a little bit. You know, he looked, he didn't, Present himself the same in the statesmanlike manner that JFK did, and when they polled the Americans afterwards, the people who listened on the radio said Nixon won the debate, and the people who watched the debate on television said JFK won the debate. Um, now that may also be biased based on demographics, but that's a discussion for a different, different show. But the fact of the matter is, is that perception is reality in today's hypercharged entertainment climate that we live in yes and the fact of the matter is John Fetterman failed that test last night big time he failed it big time he failed it uh, he, he scored fracking, I'm not going to give him a fracking, zero
0: I like fracking fracking It's literally his answer
1: <sighs> he they, I mean it was a simple question why did you flip up on fracking And he said, I'm for fracking. (laughs) And then he just kept repeating that. When they asked him, him, and I'll give credit, the moderators didn't always let him off the hook. There were times when you felt, wow, you could really pin him down there. But at... you almost wondered if human instinct almost kicked in a little bit of them being like, this is already horrifically uncomfortable. I don't think we need to prove that point anymore. Like Towards the end of the debate, like they started asking him for details on how he's going to solve student loan and a student, the, the student loan uh, quote unquote crisis. <laughs> sure. Um, and dealing with, with, with drug and and um, uh, and medical costs and he's unable to present a coherent policy strategy that doesn't mean him and his team haven't come you know can't come up with one it's he's unable to communicate that and that's the problem he's unable to he would be unable to fight on behalf of the people of pennsylvania and the people of pennsylvania realized that last night hopefully I would think so. That, but that gets us I'm
0: guessing n- there aren't new poll numbers already.
1: So the, the poll, the, the screenshot, or the link that was going around last night was the predictit.com link. The, um, you, can, you can go on and you can bet on, oh. you know, what you think is going to okay. happen. And it blew up towards Oz. I mean, it just, it was a straight line up and a straight line down for Fetterman. The, um, the other... Um, anecd- I mean, it's really just the anecdotal evidence of, of even the media, CNN, people like Joe Scarborough, even going, this is an issue. This is a problem. He didn't, he didn't pass the test. <clears throat> what this debate really brings to light, though, is early voting. Mm. And why early voting is a complete disaster. And why early voting should not be something that exists. There should be an election day. It's not election week. It's not election month. It's not election year. It's one day. You have to show up. You have to prove who you are. That you live in that district. And you get to vote. That's it. You have to take the time to do that. Sometimes you get in and out. Sometimes you have to stand in line. But the process is the same for every single American who is eligible to vote. I've been able to walk to a polling place. I've had to drive to what I felt was a different planet to go go vote. I've had all of these experiences. We've all had these experiences. All of us who have voted have had these experiences. And shockingly enough, we've all managed to overcome them. What? And I grew up in a household where my parents even brought us to vote. Right? Didn't your parents bring you to vote? Did your parents Probably? bring you to the polling place? We Probably. I don't went. really remember. We always went. Our parents always brought us. Probably because they were taking us somewhere, to a sports game or some sort of after-school activity, or well, we had to run errands or doing something, I feel and it's like, like hey, we well, got to go vote.
0: We were exposed to it because all of the s- we went to public school,
1: unlike well, some people.
0: Um, hey, that and, was only high school. And the, poll- and the voting was at school, so like we saw it all the time.
1: Oh, so there was no voting at any school that I went to. But we always had, did your school do the voting in your classroom? Who were you voting for?
0: I don't know. Probably. You're asking me to pull back some big memories. I don't know.
1: I'll just give this one little memory. This was third grade. I was living my family. I was, (laughs) my parents we're living in chestnut hill massachusetts i was living in the house with them (laughs) um no uh but we were living in chestnut hill and i remember being one of two kids in my class who voted for bob dole nice is
0: that how you made friends yeah uh, well no actually
1: we were friends before that actually but it was funny. We didn't we didn't know. It was like, oh hey, you know, two people voted for Dole. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they? Who are these two kids? Kick them out of this school.
0: God, what a dull candidate
1: Dole was. Bob Dole? That was the first election that I have. I don't want to say it was the first election I followed, but it was the first election that I have like a lot of memories of.
0: He was born candidate. And, and
1: and from that point that really, I got, I started to get into politics more and more and more after that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't want to say, you know, I give credit to Bob Dole. It wasn't Bob Dole, but, like, I, I, you know, I have I have a lot of memories of that 96 election for some reason. You know, and I remember my parents, like, like explaining to me, I'm like, why are you voting for Bob Dole? You know, kind of that question of, like, everyone else in the class has voted for Clinton. Why are we <laughs> voting for Bob Dole? You know, my parents were, like, a, you know, explained you know, the things that you explain simply to him. It's like, okay, so Bob Dole, Bob Dole. My dad's like, so I go to work and I make money. He's like, but the government takes that money away from me to spend it on stuff that we don't need, like people who don't work. He goes, (laughs) Bob Dole wants, Bob, he goes, Bill Clinton wants to take my money and give it to people who don't work. Bob Dole doesn't want to do that. <laughs> Very simple political lesson. <laughs> Very simple political lesson. <laughs> and this was not my first exposure to politics because I remember back in back in Stratham, New Hampshire, Berry Hill Lane. Mm-hmm. I remember the Rush Limbaugh television program. Yeah, my dad would have that on. My parents would have that on. Yeah, and I always we always drove around listening to Rush. But anyways, but anyways. Um, We've totally, totally gone off, gone off track here. Um, but anyways, this early voting, um, this, is not, this, is the, this is the clear and obvious reason why early voting should not exist. Because up until election day, you are still learning about the candidates. Because there's two things that candidates are doing. They're trying to tell you all of the things that they think you'll like about them, And they're doing all of the things to keep away from you the stuff that they don't want you to know about them. (laughs) There's two goals of a political campaign, right? You got to highlight the good and you got to snuff out the bad. You got to take a pillow and smother until it doesn't move anymore, right? That's what you got to do with the bad on a political campaign. And, And this Fetterman debate is the exact reason why we can't start voting at the beginning of October. Hundreds of thousands. You could, in Pennsylvania, began sending out mail in ballots in September, more than 45 days before the actual election. First of all, over 45 days. What could go wrong? <laughs> when have we ever seen human beings? screw up things when you extend the timeline that allows us to screw things up. There's only so much damage you can do in a short amount of time. In a large amount of time, that amount of damage you can do grows exponentially. (laughs) (laughs) As evidenced by our own idiot, who's our Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, who we'll get to in a little bit, sending out 6,000 of the wrong ballots. Oh great! Now we've got these ballots, but don't worry—we'll make sure we'll pull them out of circulation. I'm sure you will, Katie, because you did such a good job getting it right the first time around. Of course, we should not only trust you with fixing your mess, but we should trust you with running the entire state. Yeah, because you don't know how to mail things. Awesome. But this is this is this is the problem that. These are the kind of election reform things we we need to constantly be fighting about as Republicans. Cause every time I hear, oh, you know, like oh early voting turnout is its highest ever, all I think of is more and more people are getting duped into voting for someone who we might find out is a horrible person the day before the election. Or may do something that completely disqualifies them from holding the office. Or, in the case of John Fetterman, is finally forced to, to display to the people of Pennsylvania his actual physical and mental condition. And he failed the test. But because of early voting, he's been able to run up a lead on Oz, I bet. Hmm. Because when were Democrats polling the highest? In the summer, in August and September, when all of those activists were all worked up and no one was paying attention because it's summer vacation. But how many
0: people do you think are voting early who are, like, that impressionable? On the fence. Yeah. Aren't these just people who, like, doesn't matter, he could literally not have a pulse, and they'd be like, that's better than a Republican.
1: So I agree with I, I I agree with a lot of that. But what this does is it sends ballots out in circulation for people to gather them together and fill them out for other people. It just allows them to be out there in circulation more so that nefarious people can do what they do. And we know election fraud exists. This is not a a discussion about 2020. Put 2020 out of it. We know election fraud exists for two reasons. One, we have plenty of examples of it. We can go to you all we have to do is go to Yuma in Arizona to do a real live example of ballot harvesting which is what we're talking about here I should have used the term earlier but the term is ballot harvesting um, we have a clear-cut examples of this where people have been convicted And I want to remind people of a group you may have forgotten about. Remember a group called Acorn? Oh, yeah. Remember Acorn? This Mm -hmm. is when James O'Keefe, this was James O'Keefe's big break. His big break. Project Veritas, James O'Keefe. His big break was Acorn. And it was with um, the woman he was with, Hannah Giles.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And he uh, portrayed a pimp, and she portrayed a prostitute, and they were able to uh, get uh, basically taxpayer fund, make a taxpayer funded brothel. <laughs> <For what? laughs> and it completely blew up in the face of the Obama administration, who had all of these ties to Acorn and you know, and and this organization. But the but these are the kind of left wing community organizations that engage in this ballot harvesting. Behavior. It's a strategy that the George Soros organizations do. When you look at the true political power players in the United States, there's a handful of them. George Soros is obviously one of them, and his left wing groups want to ballot harvest. They don't want to. They don't want an election to be up for grabs, <laughs> right? And listen, we have people on our side who are trying, who are making sure, who who try to do this stuff for us too. Okay, because this is a full-blown knockdown, drag-out war. So, okay, but by and large, the vast, 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 vast majority of votes—probably over, well over 95, 97 percent—are for grabs. And that's why you have these processes, and that's why we can't have people taking 40 days to vote. You get one day to vote. That's it. That should be the election reform across the country. Period, end of sentence. Election day. Done. Election day, voter ID. Prove you are, who you are, and here's your ballot. Right? Yep. That's as hard as it should be. That's as easy as it should be. But that's the point of that's that's why the Fetterman Oz debate is horrifying. <laughs> Because it highlights a clear flaw that we have in our system, which is early voting. You know where we might be picking up a seat? Where?
0: New Hampshire?
1: Well, we're going to get to New Hampshire. Okay. Well, let's talk about the Oregon governor's race.
0: What? Oregon governor's race. No way. Oregon
1: governor's race. So first of all, I love the headline, Civil War. Civil War. (laughs) For those of you without a library in your town, the Civil War is the nickname for the Oregon-Oregon State football game.
0: Oh, okay. I was thinking something (laughs) different.
1: Not to be confused with their neighbors to the north, Washington, whose University of Washington and Washington State football game is called.
0: I don't know. I'm still hung up on the fact that I thought we were talking about Oregon actually thinking we were going into a civil war. No,
1: but it's called the Apple Cup. Washington, nice apples. But back to Oregon. Um, Tina Kotek appears to be responding to the building momentum for Republican candidate Christine Drazen in their heated race by turning on her own party and launching attacks against the state's current Democratic governor... Kate Brown Um, essentially the plan essentially what Tina Kotek is saying here is that um, she has failed the homeless
0: Mm.
1: in Oregon that she's let this homeless problem spiral out of control she hasn't done enough to fix it and she's coming at it from a left wing perspective basically like you haven't cared about these people enough Oh. Nice. Which I think is which I think is kind of which I think is kind of funny. Hilarious. Because that's the conservative angle on it. The mm-hmm. conservative angle. And this article made me think about Rush Limbaugh. And it made me think about this debate that's going on um on the conservative side of things that's floating on in the background of, are we conservatives anymore? What do we call ourselves? What are we conserving? We've spoken about this and we've joked that. Why, what are we conserving? And yesterday, uh, the, a, a book by Rush Limbaugh with his wife, Catherine and brother David came out radio's greatest of all time. And as I've been reading these articles and these long think pieces and these journals that no one reads, <laughs> um, about what it is to be conservative, I've been going back to what I would call kind of the founding texts of conservatism—not just you know John Locke um, and um, and things like that and the founding documents, but conscience conscience of a conservative, Barry Goldwater, going back to the early days of. William Buckley, mm-hmm. who Rush writes about constantly in this book. <laughs> and this is his just, just love for, for, for Mr. Buckley. And I pulled out Rush's first book in a CPAC speech. And, and it was the CPAC speech that this article made me think of because he talks about in CPAC you know, what it means to be a conservative. He talks about one of the things about being conservative is that we love people. We love people. We want to see people succeed. We want to see this country succeed. We want people to live up to their full potential. There's nothing that conservatives hate more than people who aren't living up to their full potential. Yep. Because it is a fact that only so many people around the world are going to be blessed with the talents to succeed. And to not make the most of what God gives you is offensive. It's offensive to people who don't have your gifts. And the great thing about us is all of us have different gifts. God put each and every single one of us on this earth to fulfill some sort of specific purpose, some sort of specific task. And that's the wonderful thing about life, is that life, part of life, is our discovery of this purpose and then trying to maximize it. And this is one of the pillars of conservatism. We want this for everyone. We don't want people languishing. We don't want to see people suffer. That's the last thing we want to do. First of all, it's unpleasant for us, but we're walking down the street. <laughs> Second of all, it's horrible for society. How can a society function properly, especially one built on the pillars of freedom individualism as america was when you're not able to make the most of who you are and i'm reading this and i'm going this article has it wrong she's not attacking her from the left she's actually attacking the governor from the right because she's worried about republicans she's so worried about republicans she's trying to come off as compassionate Because there's never been a... There's no bigger oxymoron than a compassionate liberal policy towards the homeless. And I point... And I point to the tenderloin in San Francisco. The tenderloin in San Francisco may as well be renamed the good intention zone. Because every good intention that every liberal's had in San Francisco has led to that exact situation. Yep. (laughs) So I'm reading this and I'm going, this is, I'm going, not only is this funny, but somehow we've gotten, there's this, one of the problems that we've always had as conservatives, especially as the media portrays us, is that we're not caring. Right. And as conservatives, we all know that that's the absolute opposite. We're the most caring people in the world. There's nothing more harmful to someone than saying, no, keep doing those drugs, we'll just send you a check. You don't need to go to work. You don't need a battery. We'll just send you a check. You can live here, we'll send you a check. What a waste of, of, of life. Yep. How could you do that to another human being? How could you deprive another human being the chance to succeed, to fulfill their potential? How I mean, could do I couldn't imagine hating someone else enough to do that to them. And that's why, as conservatives, we walk around and we are consistently polled as being more optimistic than liberals and always having a good time, right? As we said on another episode, when was the last time you saw liberals having a good time? When, you know, whenever you see a group of people who are having a bad time, you, can, you know for sure they're liberals. <laughs> <laughs> Because as conservatives, we know that, yeah, we might be having some tough times right now, but we also remember what it was like when there were great times, and we know that there are going to be even better times in the future. And that's why we have to vote for our Republican candidates. Um, so I just, I just wanted to bring that up. By the way, the Republican is winning by two in Oregon, up two. That's why two. And uh, I really want everyone, it's it's the headline story. It, it's, it, the, the article that I'm reading is on Fox News. Um, you got to look at the three candidates for this race. Um, it's just, <laughs> oh, man. Um, but anyways, uh, two other things that I wanted to quickly hit. One, Arizona, obviously. Arizona. I, I want to read the polling company that put out this poll because i don't want anyone to think that what i'm saying is uh not true not true so this is for from the data for progress center data for progress do you think they openly admit which way they lean well it does have a certain name does have a certain word in the name. It does, doesn't it? And actually they do identify as a Democratic polling firm. So very nice of them to do so. And this Democratic polling firm in the governor's race has Kerry Lake 50, Katie Hobbs 46. Sorry, Katie Hobbs. Kerry Lake 50, Secretary of State Hobbs 46. Let's go. Arizona Senate. Mark Kelly 47, Blake Masters 48. 47. Tied. Tied. Whoa, that's wild. Tied. Politico today. Politico playbook, coming from uh, an article on Politico. Uh, Arizona Democrats, they're already starting to concede the race. Like right now, this is trending Republican. Wow. There is a uh, Fox Ten Insider Advantage poll that was taken today. That was sent out today as well. Carrie Lake, fifty-four. Katie Hobbs, forty-three. Wow. Carrie Lake's gonna win this race. And we've been saying this for about a week, two weeks now. Carrie Lake's gonna win this race. Hope the so. question is, the question is can Matt, can she drag Blake Masters to victory? That's now the question. Can Carrie Lake Drake drag Blake Masters to victory? Yeah. And I think she's going to. That would be awesome. I think she's going to. I think it, I think we're gonna go red, Florida governor DeSantis up twelve, Florida Senate Rubio up eleven put a fork in it, Wisconsin Senate, data for progress once again, Ron Johnson, 51, Mandela Barnes, a complete radical socialist, 46, Ron Johnson's heading back to the Senate, folks. Um, Nevada Senate, Nevada governor, North Carolina Senate, you know, a race that's really running under the radar with everything else, but that's a really important Senate seat, Um, it looks like that's that's lean Republican now. we don't have new polling about pennsylvania yet but i cannot wait to see it and as we said oregon senate drazen 42 Kotec 40 johnson 13 the republican up to this is a um, this is big uh, these numbers um you know as we've said all along throughout this entire process don't get worried about things in july don't get worried about things in august Don't get worried about things in September. Actually, never get worried about things. (laughs) Because it's all out of your control at the end of the day. The only thing that you can control is your vote and your mood. That's That's true. That's the only thing that you can control when it comes to this. So keep laughing. But as we said, don't worry about this stuff. People aren't paying attention. We don't know what's going to happen in September and October. And here we are. And the red wave... That we thought had dissipated. Yeah. We're hope I, let, we hope don't want to jinx it. It's looming out there. And we have a great, great, great track record of screwing things like this up. So let's just. So everyone just stay the course. Mm-hmm. Don't
0: say anything stupid. We should be good. All mm-hmm. right. Food thing you said you found a food thing
1: i found a food thing oh yeah we got to talk about food th- i just have to bring <laughs> this one up joe biden uh airlines forcing customers to pay for extra legroom is racist <laughs> because some airline no let me i want to read this oh, okay some airlines if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front you pay more money but you don't know it until you purchase your ticket look folks these are junk fees are unfair, and the hidden, marginalized Americans the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. What? So there you go. Economy Plus is racist. Right. There's I. I I know Joe Biden has Air Force One. <laughs> I, don't last, for I don't know leg the last. I don't know the last time that Joe Biden bought a plane ticket Well I he takes the train. train. I think that would be a great question. When was the last time that Joe Biden bought a plane ticket? Well, he takes the train. But every time that I have purchased a plane ticket. That's right. He's only takes Amtrak. Uh, only every time I have purchased a plane ticket. If there's an option for extra legroom, the airline lets you know it's going to cost you. It's
0: even in a different color.
1: Yeah, it's in a different color. It's in a di- different section. It's it's <laughs> Not only is he lying about how the buying of an airline ticket process works, because why would he know? He's never done it, probably. And except for calling up a travel agent back in the day. I don't know. And number two, there's nothing about this process that's racist. But everyone in the world knows that except for Joe Biden. And apparently whoever wrote the speech. um the mcrib is back Ooh! so i have a question for you first the mcrib rib patty fresh or frozen 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 would be correct (laughs) frozen would be correct what's on a mcrib do you know what's on a mcrib um sauce okay Onions? hmm
0: Pickles.
1: Correct. That's patty it. Patty and Bun. There you go. So
0: oh, so the McRib comes with a burger? I thought it was just a rib. It's a sandwich. Ugh. It's even mm-hmm. grosser than I thought.
1: What are you talking about? Why would it why was what's something gross about this?
0: What do you mean what's gross about this? <laughs> so when are you going to be getting one?
1: So, I want to give a little history of the McRib first. Okay. It was invented in 1982 by McDonald's first executive chef, Rene Arend, who also invented the McNugget. The McRib is coming back on October 31st, but this is its farewell tour.
0: Don't they say that every year? They're like, we're getting rid of it, and then they don't.
1: Um. So yes. They they this is called what we call scarcity marketing. Yes. For those of you not
0: without a library. Without a
1: library or not work who don't work in my industry. It's called scarcity marketing. It's a tactic. You've ever seen craft beer? Today Buffalo Trace announced their antique collection that bourbon hunters go chase after. You know, and all this stuff like that. All of that is scarcity marketing. There's only some of it. There's not enough to go around. Right. So come and get it. Fear of missing out. FOMO. It's real and it's spectacular. And it's a great way to get people to buy a product. It's a great way. You're missing out. You're not like the rest of them. You're part of the out crowd. You're not part of the in crowd because you don't have my product. Because you weren't quick enough. You didn't stand in line for six hours. Sucker. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> That's what they're doing. Um, but anyways, it's back for a limited time. It's a farewell tour. And um, I can't wait until they bring it back in like a decade.
0: It's a farewell tour, or in quotations, because it will be back next, next year.
1: Like it always is. I don't think it'll be back next year. I don't think they can bring it back the year after a farewell tour. When would be an appropriate time for them to bring the McRib back?
0: I don't know. On, on an anniversary. What sometime. would it take you to have a McRib? um i just don't think i'm gonna have one
1: would you have a bite of one
0: maybe maybe
1: okay so that's a yes so that's a yes so i think we're gonna have to have an episode where katie tries a McRib.
0: no why not because it sounds gross
1: but it's delicious It is an extremely frozen pink patty that gets Uh, fried up on a flat top and dunked in barbecue sauce.
0: Wait, it's not even an actual rib?
1: I think the frozen patty I ate I thought
0: you were saying it's a rib with a hamburger patty. So it's not even a rib? It's It's just a hamburger and
1: barbecue sauce? It's not a hamburger. It's a a rib patty. It's a, a rib patty that is shaped... In a rib. That's that's not a rib. That's a rib. It's, well, it's, it's a Imitation McRib. rib. It's a McRib. It's not an imitation rib. It is an imitation an rib. An imitation rib implies that there's no rib meat in it. It isn't an imitation crab. It's fish, right? If it was an imitation rib, it would be a hamburger. Well, it would be a cowboy burger, right? Because cowboy burger, you put barbecue sauce on. A western burger, right?
0: Yeah. All right. When is it coming to town?
1: October 31st.
0: Oh, okay. Next week on Halloween. What a weird day to pick.
1: Yeah, I know. Weird. Are you having a Halloween episode?
0: We are having a Halloween episode.
1: Yeah, we're having a Halloween episode. We're
0: going to interview trick-or-treaters as to who they're voting, right? (laughs)
1: That's right. <laughs> who are you voting for? Who are you voting
0: for? You can't have a piece of candy until you tell us who you're voting
1: for. Why are you could only have a piece of candy if you <laughs> tell us you're voting for Carrie Lake and Blake Masters.
0: <laughs> and then we got run out of the neighborhood. Alright, we'll see y'all on Friday.
1: McRib. One elephant
0: went out to play upon a spider's web one day. The chant is Drill Baby
1: Drill. He had such enormous fun. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is
0: not in charge of the law in our country. Yeah, because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. Two elephants were
1: out at play Upon a web one day They had such fun That they called for everyone to come.
0: I say- America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. This jet is a mess.